It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosey. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which will be updated someday at filmsociology.tumblr.com. I'm still hosting and managing the board at the same time. Not my favorite. But I am not alone. I have company. You'll know from the intro. It's me, dear friends. Alive and kicking. Well, alive anyway. I'll be kicking you with my jingle bells. (laughs) That's it. Kick the footless man. (laughs) You know, you walk into this stuff. Uh, Oh, you roll. Well, when a fella comes back from the dead, I find that an occasion to stand up, be counted. It's, it's not, not a hard. Sociology it's if not I hard. I don't do a foot joke. <laughs> well, I can see where it'd be difficult for a man of your stature to keep in touch with even half the people you know. Well, you know, beautiful women, they encourage you one minute and cut the legs out from under you the next. I'm not half the man I used to be. Wow. Why is <laughs> it that the guy in the wheelchair gets a film called The Sitter? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Propes is here. Yes, after a prolonged absence, I am back. Not by choice, it just happens that way. <laughs> I, I was also reminded on social media that uh, Sherlock Holmes is not his favorite, or maybe his favorite detective, because the game is always afoot. But, yes! <laughs> How you doing, Richard? I'm just dandy, Matt. How, why haven't you had me on in so long? Um, I, I totally Was it too, one too many foot jokes? Well, there's two. Okay. <laughs> Not even five minutes into the show. Oh, you are five minutes into the show, so no, it's fine. So, as we as we all know, sometimes we ride the rail of good taste, and uh, and Richard literally does it. So, <laughs> anyway, good to have him back here. Thank you, it's fellow great to be back, fellow IFJA member. Yeah. Okay, we we are in the midst of of a grown up movie season, and uh, I guess I want to start with uh, there were there were not one but two films opening this weekend with uh, strong, pretty strong female performances. Well, I think one uh, significantly stronger than the other. 
performance-wise and film-wise, but uh, not your con- not the conventional roles that uh, you know. It's not the wife. It's not the uh, the damsel in distress. That sort of thing. But I want to start with Arrival. Yeah, with uh, Amy Adams, and it's uh, directed by oh, I almost said it right, uh, Dennis uh, Villeneuve, who gave us very good Sicario last year. Yes, and uh, Prisoners, both very intense, very cool-looking, very well-done films. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this time around, Amy Adams is a is a linguist who is recruited by the government with. Uh, not quite crusty, crusty, grumpy Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> you have to, I guess you, you know, you have to have one crusty. He always one. gets that role. What, what is it about him? Well, because I think part of it is it's he does not, he is not a barker or a screamer, and That's true. I think a lesser actor playing the general that has to bark orders. Um, you know, it's not Sam Elliott, it's not J.K. Simmons. So if you want. <laughs> That's well, true. and and they've done it. But if you want a quieter intensity, I think you go for Forrest in this one. But she's recruited because to assist translating communications because aliens have arrived on the planet, and she's assisted by Jeremy Renner. And we don't yet have the wall, so they get in. <laughs> Richard Probst started, and he's going to finish it. Moving on. <laughs> Away from the mic when it's that when it's that loud. Anyway, um, right. he, you know okay. he amuses himself because someone asked. <laughs> It's like my family says to me. Anyway, so yeah. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is not this is not your conventional. I, it was funny. I was talking with a friend last night about this, and uh, she asked if it was scary or gory, and I said, "Well, no. Ooh. This is not that type of alien film. No. It is not Independence Day. It is not, uh, you know, Sigourney Weaver. It's not fighting as, you know, it's it's more on the side of contact with, I think, a less irritating ending. I was not a fan of the ending of Contact. I agree. Um, you know, it's more uh, contact uh, slash interstellar. Um, in watching this, um, Amy Adams' character, who's and, and Adams is very strong in this. She's wonderful. In she this. is really, really rooted, and it it looks cool. And it's not just having to deal with the military, and even and, and almost this kind of uh, not really screwball, but her and Jeremy, her and Jeremy Renner. Um, it, it's not. It's not the. They don't like each other. That we yeah. are used to. I think a lesser film would have done that. That they I, would be com- absolutely. They would be combative. Um, you know, male and female counterparts in a disaster, distress type situation. That doesn't happen here. Um, it, you know, it it sets the tone, and it's kind of impressive that a major studio like Paramount put some money behind this. And I want to. I want to word this carefully because I don't want to give away a whole lot. Right. But but there's a, it. It starts with what looks like a redemption story for Adams's character. And as the film goes on, I will just say it's more nonlinear than you expect. Absolutely. And I think that takes it takes a much more important po- tone than it, it's going to be more than just is Amy Adams going to help save the planet? Right. Absolutely. So. I mean, it, it's so much more intelligent than that, that there's I really like how it's constructed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't you get it. You get the pieces, but you don't. It's not again. It's the, the titles we've already mentioned. They're not those. And I think yes. when you say aliens in a film, your yeah. mind immediately goes to one thing or another. And uh, and like I said, it's it's more on the cerebral emotional side. Yeah. And what I really loved was how they balanced those two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, so few films really nail having a really intelligent story that emotionally resonates. Yeah, if if you get a chance, listen to uh, David Edelstein's review on uh, Fresh Air at, at npr.org/freshair. Uh, but but he does bring up something I, I wish I had I wish I had thought up. So I'm giving him credit for it. But he's like, you ever notice in cinema movies the aliens are really good at uh, learning English immediately? 
and and that is not the case here. In fact, there's yeah. um, you know the the three films that Dennis has directed, uh, three American films, I should say, uh, they're all visually impressive. Uh, right. In one way, shape, or form, and this one, I guess they, they, you know, some some would say it's squid ink. They're blots. They're they're not yeah. word. It's not words. It's not hieroglyphics, but it's their form of communication. So it's more of can she communicate? Can can we as humans communicate with these visitors, and 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 hopefully not lead to a a shoot 'em up, an intergalactic exactly. shoot 'em exactly. up. So and it's just it's. Wonderful how they tie in all of those pieces, the communication being necessary to keep us from reaching that point. Yeah. I mean, it's... They also, Edelstein also takes the task. There is a, uh, there's a world leader from, from an Asian country, and as he refers to it, is, is kind of 50s B-movie corny. And there, there's a little of that. There, there yeah. is a little bit of that, but it doesn't fall back on that. So It's I, not an emphasis, and, and there's kind of a redemption you know, mm-hmm. story, even within that framework. And so I, you know, I liked even how that was handled. Yep. It, it, again, this is not for—don't uh, go in for a slam-bang evening. This no, is this is all. a very grown up, somber. Um, I, I think it, it's going to make you think. In fact, uh, if you go to the AV Club, they have a section called Spoiler Space mm-hmm. where you can click on it, and the writer will talk about the thing that you really don't want to post in public. It's kind of the, a, an article of you've been warned, and then of course people can comment on it. And I've always thought the AV Club commenters were. Uh, far more evolved than say uh, YouTube and and Yelp, not Richard Propes. <laughs> Pro- Yelp's that's that's Propes free, I should say. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, it's uh, go check this out. It's really solid, and uh, yeah, it's really. Enjoyable. I think we, yeah, I think we both really enjoyed it. I, I'm, I think it's one of the best films of the year. I'm not sure I see it as an awards contender. Yes, because that's what we're all about now is the IFJA sending names. If, 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 don't ever read our emails. we Because we, we kind of all email each other, and then there's 27 different responses. And uh, But, yeah. I and if you it, ever look at our list, you know, our list of nominees, which is like every compilation of every film we've seen that we thought was really, really awesome. Or, or who knows that? That didn't suck. Click. <laughs> Click. So. But, yeah, we, we, we compiled this big list, and then we stockpile, and then we whittle it down. Like a like a, a knife, and which a is piece a great way to do it, but it occasionally looks a little silly. And then people make fun of our pictures. They do, yeah, they do. We don't read we don't read those. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Arrival definitely worth checking out. Best film, uh, best film this weekend, most definitely. Yeah. Um, and you also saw. Uh, was it another Christmas? Almost Christmas. Almost Christmas. I'm sorry, because ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the year. Now that Halloween is over, even though there should be Thanksgiving movies, but I guess not. But there has to be an ensemble family film where everybody is dysfunctional and they're going to reconvene by the end of the film because it's almost Christmas or it's almost Thanksgiving. And, and you know, they anyway, they, they get together and survive one meal. Did I basically That's describe basically the, the film? story. You know, and this is the kind of the subgenre of the African-American holiday film. Um, you've got Danny Glover as a grieving patriarch. He's too old for this. <laughs> he is just... No, I'm just excited. You know, he's a good actor. He I, is. I am ready to see him in a film. And now he's the, he's the grand, the grand pra- patriarch, I guess, of he the family. Is, he yeah. is. He is. You know, the mom has died. Dad is grieving the holidays. And, of course, the family doesn't get along at all. But they're all there for Dad. And they all come into Birmingham, Alabama for the family Christmas. You Shot know. in Vancouver. <laughs> Probably, no, probably. No, you know, no, I should have no, looked kidding. that up. That's all right. I'll look know. it up. 
it's uh you know it, it's that kind of a story you know i have to be honest and say i liked it a lot more than i thought i would um, well because there's because there's so many i mean it's a huge cast yeah and so everybody's got to get a little bit of backstory and there will be some hilarity some chicanery in and i'm gonna guess it involves food and in some cases booze and in maybe other cases sex and sex and broken relationships and, and reconvening relationships you know and everybody's impossibly successful because you have the professional nba athlete you have the doctor you know it, it's it's kind of hilarious because you know i i would be intimidated if i belonged to that family i'd probably be especially you because you see your relatives are gabriel union monique omar Epps, <laughs> jb smooth you're the white sheep of the family i, <laughs> I would kind of like to be in monique's family i think that would be fun <laughs> i i have often said you know there there was a series of uh sitcoms of fat funny guys with smoking hot wives yeah. you know according to Jim George Lopez King of Queens my existence um, you know if there was one with Monique and Ed- Idris Alba I would watch that because <laughs> fair is fair I you know and and I've got to say she's very good in this yeah she's she's the auntie who's just uh, a whirlwind of drama she's a whirlwind of drama she says things exactly as they are um, she kind of holds the family accountable um, it, it, it's certainly... Does she slap as much as Tyler Perry? Oh, that's... No? No. Okay, my... so she's less slappy than Medea. Yeah, okay. thank you. Yeah, Just checking. This, this doesn't go the Medea direction, though. David Talbert, who's the director, is the same guy who gave us like films like Baggage Claim, which... Okay. Which was... First Sunday. Yeah. All right. Know, so, you know... I'd say this is his best effort. Um, okay. I, I liked it. I liked Glover. Um it, I really liked Monique in this. Uh, she's really not been doing much since Precious. That's true. She, you know, has claimed that there's been a little bit of uh, blackballness, I guess, from from the from the the industry. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's so, a shame because so she can be really solid. She can be really solid, and I think she really pulls this thing together. And it's a good ensemble cast. There's kids in this film who I think are really solid, which mm-hmm. is sometimes really iffy. So, you know, great film, no. Good film, entertaining film, definitely. All right, so there you go. There's there's two. There's two. Now, okay, who does the remake of uh, Donny Hathaway's This Christmas in this film? That is, oh, what is? Oh, his... they actually did this. I was yes, being, they... I was being sarcastic, <laughs> but no, apparently I was right. No, I can't. I, I can't. Remember. Jesse Usher, <laughs> of course, because yeah. every year somebody has to remake This Christmas. Yeah. All, All right. right, that's fine. Um, moving on. Okay, so. <laughs> this happens. So you, so you have. I mean, you have two films that are going to have a solid fan base. I think so. This opening weekend. I hope and, so. And then, yeah, you hope so. And then occasionally, there's there's the the off film that honestly I didn't know was was opening until a couple of days ago, and I wound up seeing it this morning. It's wow. the it's the psychological thriller Shut In, and it stars Naomi Watts, and that's main the main reason why I I wanted to see this was the has she made a film in the last ten years that anyone has seen. You know what? I'm glad you asked that. I'm going <laughs> to go to her IMDb page I right you would, now. I know you have a thing for Naomi Watts. Well, I think the idea of being shut in with Naomi Watts is pretty cool, but uh, I'm a pig. Um, <laughs> Allegiant. She was in Allegiant. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, about 13 people saw that. All right, fine. And then six people saw Sea of Trees. Um, and I gave it a good review. St. Vincent. That's she true. was okay. she was the Russian You're hooker. Right. Okay, so we're at about twenty. Um, no, she, she was, was a in great Bird, Russian hooker. She was in Birdman. I liked her as a Russian hooker. I know you did. I'd pay. Moving on, <laughs> uh, Birdman. She was in a Best Picture winner. That's and then, true. Uh, Diana. She played Princess Di. Um, 
and she sadly was in movie 43 got her nomination for the impossible wow that was that's uh, true then uh, that was a good one too jay edgar she was in jay edgar but nobody saw that um dream <laughs> dream house which i always remember um <laughs> geez so no 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 i, I remember because that was uh, was that dream no that was something else anyway fair game uh woody allen's you'll meet a tall dark stranger the International, Funny Games, not a date film. That's not a date. Not film. a date film. Unless you're a psycho. Eastern Promises. So yeah, we've seen, and of course King Kong. So there's there's and painted okay. the painted veil. Okay, I take it back. So there's there's been was just, she King Kong? Oh, will you stop? <laughs> not cool. Anyway, I'm not cool. You know that by now. I've known that for years. That's why you're <laughs> you're more than welcome here. Um, oh, thanks. But this is one where. <laughs> And it has the feel. It's like the I always think of, and I'm sure I'm I haven't done this check on this, but it looks like one of the. It's like the Ethan Hawke thrillers where he's getting no money up front and is probably getting it on the back end, like Sinister or The First Purge or oh, okay. something like that. But anyway, she plays. She kind of plays the title role. Um, fa- uh, husband and stepson are killed in an. Oh well. Husband is killed in an accident. Stepson is crippled. She's a psychologist. She's got to take care of the boy at home. There's a patient that she's about ready to lose, and the boy winds up missing. And then some spooky things happen in their main home in the dead of winter. And so, yeah, so there's three red herrings happening during the film. Is it... Is it in her head because she's a psychiatrist? Um, I'm sorry, a psychologist. Don't want uh, angry. Yeah, but difference there. Is it is it in her head? Is it the little kid? Is it the big kid? Or is it just a spooky house? So, and the last time you had you know multiple red herrings thrown at you at the same time, but used effectively, was probably the Babadook, also yeah. known as Joe Shearer's favorite horror film. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Um, so it, it does have that. And then, again, without giving away too much, once we find out what which red herring it is, we mm-hmm. find out which plot point we're actually going to have, it gets it gets slasher movie dumb really, really fast. Oh, that's a bummer. Really fast. And uh, Watts is solid. She's fine. You know, and she's done this with Funny Games or The Ring. Mm-hmm. She's done horror before. And, uh, and you know, she's... God, it's been. I'm trying to remember. It's been at least 20 years mm-hmm. since uh, since we first uh, got to introduced to her work. So she's she's good, um, and it's it's actually fairly. I think it moves along fairly quickly. I think it's it's not that long a film. I think it's about 90 minutes. Yeah, it's about 91 minutes. Thank God. It, it, <laughs> you know, well, no, there there are certain films like I remember watching uh, uh, Lights Out. And I actually uh-huh. wound up liking that more than I thought, and it was also thankfully eighty minutes long. I mean, it's it sometimes it that's perfect. Yeah, um, I I call it the grindhouse rule. <laughs> There's a lot of especially action horror films would just be a lot better if they were seventy five minutes. Absolutely. And yep. and this one you could probably I think you know I think it, it slows down for me because when it gets horror movie dumb because you have to you know bonk somebody on the head and leave and you know do the mm-hmm. things that make people scream at the at the at the theater which by the way doesn't happen at 10 a.m. this on a friday morning it doesn't oh no because as you know i went i went and saw this friday morning 10 a.m. and normally i say it's with a group i affectionately call the old the unemployed and the weird uh-huh. was, i'm usually the weird well there was two of us oh and i looked over and i'm like well, you're not old <laughs> I got the. You must not have a job because I'm the weird one here. So he was, yeah. So it was like. So anyway, it's. So it sounds like one of those films where she probably read the script, thought this has potential, and probably it just didn't quite live. I up believe to it's it. a French Canadian uh, 
production, so it was probably done for, I mean, tax breaks. She really just wanted a vacation. Um, deep in the heart of, well, probably not Maine. I think I'm, I'm sure they shot it in, in Canada, but, uh, shot. Oh yeah. Shot in Quebec. There you go. So wow. anyway, it, it, it is kind of disappointing, but if you like Naomi Watts, like some of us do, um, you Who's can go that? check that. Shut up. <laughs> the, the other thing is, and I'm going to talk about this a little more on the show next week. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Uh, no, I, and I, I'm, I'm asking people to do research on this. So I guess for lack of a better, better thing, I'm going to say sp- I, this is like what Ed Johnsonot does in print. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Pause. Pause. So if you don't want to hear anymore, either fast forward this podcast or go do something else. Okay, Oliver Platt is in this film. Wow. Pla- and he plays, he plays. Uh, he was dead. No, he's not dead. He plays Naomi Watts's kind of mentor. So there's there's a okay. couple scenes on Skype. And and as as time goes on, here comes a spoiler part. He kind of becomes Scatman Crothers in The Shining, so he wow. he winds he winds up trying to come to the house to rescue her. And you know, if you know Scatman in The Shining, bad yeah. things happen. So a bad thing happens to Platt, and as he's bleeding to death with a with a blade in his you know, after getting stabbed in the stomach uh, uh, once. I hate it when that happens. You're getting stabbed in the stomach? Yeah. You're so Mr. That just ruins the You're day. Mr. Pink. They usually hit my feet. You're Mr. Orange. They don't hit your feet. <laughs> Those aren't your feet. Um, but he's bleeding. He's dying. But he's got enough time to whisper in Naomi Watts's ear, and it's about confronting the killer in the film. I guess I'm being vague enough. But, but he says, um, you got to play his game. You know, if you go along with him, that's how you're going to get out of this. Oh. Right. And we've seen that happen in psychological thrillers all the time. Yeah. Here's my problem with it. She's a psychologist already. True. It's kind of it's cinematic mansplaining. But he's the mentor. You've already established yes, that. Yes, but I I think she's smart enough that she has her own practice that she couldn't figure this out on her own. And this is part this clearly was, not before he got had to pay. And for I guess his Oliver, life. I guess Oliver Platt had to do. I mean, the reason why you take the role is because you get this ending. I mean, True. it's it, you know it is a, a juicy ending, so to speak, um, because then then half otherwise your you know half your character's not there. It would also take five minutes half off. My of, character's not there. I know. Thank you. It also takes it would also take five minutes off the film. Thank God. But no, no. no. So it kind of bugged me. It was like it's it's mansplaining. That's I think right. she I think she would have been able to figure this out herself. Probably not. That would have probably dragged the film out to two hours. And then that bugs me because then she turns, you know, here's a psychologist who turns into cinematic dumb girl. Oh. So, okay. I don't think I'm going to go see it. It doesn't sound very good. They didn't screen it for us, did they? No, they did not. No, see, there you go. Hold on. All right, hold on. Pause. I'm holding. End of spoiler alert. (laughs) Wow. Thanks, Ed. (laughs) He was the inspiration for that. You don't hear stuff like that on WZPL. That's public radio goodness. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Anyway, so yeah, it, it, that was that was kind of a, that was kind of a bummer. So anyway, that is that is out there. Okay, um, I miss sometimes as people ask us how we, we review stuff, and sometimes there are you know morning screenings and there is advanced screenings in the evening, and most of the time, ladies and gentlemen, once a film opens, um, I'm I, me personally, I got to focus on. The following week, the the next week. Yeah. So if I miss something, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to try to see it on video. 
um, because I just, you know, time, you know, we have, we only have a certain amount of time every week and I got, you know, wife and family and work. So sometimes I miss things. However, um, there was enough of a good buzz about the film and the fact that I missed the screening and they wouldn't send me a screener of it. That's okay. That's all right. But I wound up seeing it in the theaters. I was really happy. That explains why 13 people have seen the film. Wow. Well, hopefully a lot more will be, but I finally, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, I finally got to see Moonlight. Yeah. And not with Bruce Willis. No, no, there's no, there's no ing in, in this one. <laughs> it is an ing-free, ing-free zone. No, no, because these actors look like they care. Ooh. I'm sorry. And name, they can act. Name, well, I think he can act. I think Bruce Willis can act. I just can't think of the last time he actually cared about a film. <laughs> That's probably Maybe true. 12 Monkeys. That's about I'm not anyway, sure he's really alive. Anyway, but. back to the, you, you. You've been deading a lot of people lately. <laughs> it's been that kind of a year, though. I, wow. Everybody's dead. Okay. No. <laughs> R.I.P. Leonard Cohen. Um <laughs> But this is a film, and this is getting Hallelujah. a lot of buzz, and and hopefully there there's going to be a lot more. But it's but it's about the life of a young kid in Miami, growing up in an impoverished neighborhood, and and as as if having the most unstable household, your your mom is a drug addict, you live in a neighborhood where you're kind of chased by the local uh, local miscreants, and on top of all that, you're also dealing with your own sexuality. So the the, the young man has a lot on his plate. He really does, and. Uh, and he winds up getting under the wing of of a drug dealer <laughs> and and well and i it's fascinating because we see him as a young man and as he gets older dealing with his sexuality at a, at an older age especially when he gets to high school dealing with the streets dealing yeah. with his mom um i mean and they take this material and they ha- again a, a a bigger studio picture would make this in and out or Chuck and Larry or it would it would kind of almost I don't think it would have the same care and maturity of this and this is also a a topic the uh, that a lot of people don't want to address and it's the the gay African American male yeah today living today true and uh, and it's there's two young men who play the young version and the old version really solid performance but the one that really caught me. And I and I'm gonna butcher his name, and I apologize in advance, but uh, but he it's a uh, Mahershala Ali, um, from that, Oakland, and and you know has, has been he of course he uh, probably best known he's Remy Dunton in House of Cards, he's been in Luke Cage, um, but he's been he's been a that guy he appeared in uh, Benjamin Button, Place Beyond the Pines, Free State of Jones, um, he was uh, Boggs in the Hunter Hunger Games series. Um, in a film you didn't see, Kicks, um, and of course played Anthony King and Treme, but it is on paper you would see drug dealer, mm-hmm. but but with his household and his wife, you know his his wife slash girl, um, and taking him under his wing, and he's not training him. That's the I think it was when you see when you see somebody of a criminal element. Mm-hmm. Putting somebody under their wing, it's not the departed. In this, in this case, it's not the yeah. departed. He's not grooming him to be the next whatever. But it, anyway, it, uh, there's a lot not said in this film, mm-hmm. and they handle it really nicely. It's amazing. I mean, it, it's just again, it, it's almost. This is a really bad comparison, but I'll say it. It, it almost like Arrival in the sense that it's con- it made me reflect, it made me think, it made me feel. Um, all the things you would expect, in this case, not a major studio, but you would expect from a studio, 
don't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just um, it, it's it's perfectly cast. It's um, everything in the film matters. I mean, the construction Correct. of the film, the visuals, the the unspoken language. Yep, they're the arc of the characters. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, I Mr. Ali, who I, I've known as that guy, and I'm uh, memorizing, and I I completely forgot until I saw the film. Naomi Harris is in this. Oh yeah, playing the mom. Yeah, so. Always cool. That's money, Penny. By the way, for you, <laughs> ladies and gents out there. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 just. And there's also an element with a guy who a kid he grows up with, and the three story arc of what happens when they're in elementary school, what happens when they're in high school. That's not fun. And then I think it jumps. Uh, gosh, five ten years after the fact. Mm-hmm. There, you know, so there is a there is a three act structure. And they all three acts are handled really well, delicately. There's really, really not a flaw. Well. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not sure I would call it a perfect film, but it's pretty close. It's really, really good, and it's still out there. And this is hopefully going to get a wider release. Um, and I think what one thing that's interesting is it seems to be taking the place of the Birth of a Nation, which got all that positive Oscar buzz. And now Moonlight's getting it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's actually that's pretty good because and I think this is this is a this is a touchier subject. Yeah. And with with uh and hi, welcome to the white guys talking cinema. Uh, <laughs> well, well no, the the birth of a nation is and it's more Braveheart and Gladiator than say Django Unchained. Yeah. Or the Magnificent 7. Um, you know, our buddy Ed Johnson referred to it as Braveheart if you're not a racist. <laughs> yeah. Which I really like. I like but that. but it is there is a part of it where yes, it it does address a moment in history based on the life of Nat Turner. The film, however, the second half of the film is like every other action film. I mean, Free State, you know, we saw Free State of Jones, which was another uh Civil yeah. War action film. And and yeah, both of those both of those had a little bit of a note, and they kind of faded. And hopefully, Moonlight gets a, a bigger spotlight. Uh, I'm really I hoping. I, I think I, it's a better, much better film than than the other two. I would not be surprised. In fact, I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up in my top ten for the year. Yeah, it's that good. It really is that good. Um, and it's you know a refreshingly positive portrayal of African American masculinity. Yep, it's not the stereotypes that we so often see in cinema. Exactly. Love so it. go check it out. That is that is in theaters right now, and hopefully we'll be in more theaters. All right. Uh, I want to go through some of the uh, – uh, now, normally we do the uh, – yes, we're actually doing drive-in news in November. We're doing drive-in news? Uh, well, at the Skyline – this is a mark your calendars moment. At the Skyline in Shelbyville, they're done. However, <laughs> however, December 2nd and 3rd, they're going to show Elf – and Christmas Vacation. Oh wow! And and I remember a couple of years ago when the IMA they were going to show Fargo outside, mm-hmm. and I think it, it it got to be too cold, so they had to can't <laughs> they had the the re they had to move it indoors, I believe. But I remember talking to somebody at the IMA about that, and I get I get what they're what they're uh-huh. going at is that element of being you know, and there were space heaters, and I think I'm sure they had drinks that were you know that, that were made in instead of glass, they were ice, that sort of thing. So I guess if you've ever wanted to see a movie in December, hopefully your car heater is, is working. Wow. Get your air filter d- changed now. now where, where's the skyline? It's in Shelbyville. That's well, you know, that's it's Shelbyville. What else do they do there? Wow. Hello to our Shelbyville listeners. We, <laughs> we love you. But um, that is happening. Go Golden Bears. That, 
Very good. Thank you. You've you've uh, you've lectured there before. <laughs> I you've, have you've held service. I've done some events there. All right, very yeah. good. So anyway, that's at the Skyline December second and third. However, still happening at the Tibbs as and as they're saying, it's the last weekend of the 2016 season. And uh, did I do the? Have I no? I've not done the the drive-in question with you. I, you haven't. Okay. I always I always bring up. Has there ever been an odd pairing at a drive-in? That you've that you've experienced. This takes a little bit of thinking. I and and I'll give an example. Like mm-hmm. I remember a long time ago when Arthur came out, the Dudley Moore version, mm-hmm. and then the, the because it was a Dudley Moore double feature, they they showed the Uh-oh. second feature was ten. Oh wow! And of course, this you know that's a film that was two years old because back then you could have like one new film and then kind of throw in an older film for uh-huh. the second title. They don't do that anymore. But uh, but I thought that's a really you're really hoping the kids fall asleep. When Arthur's finished, so and sometimes it's the same genre, sometimes it's the same studio. Mm-hmm. I think that we had, I think there was one time it was X Men and Fault in Our Stars. I'm like, really? Wow. One for him, one for her. So <laughs> anyway, so let's go That's through amazing. these. We'll go through these. Um, on screen one, movie one, Trolls. Did you see Trolls? I did see Trolls. Did you like it? Was, you know, for would what it, it was. Would yeah. Emma? Would Emma like it? Is there a lot of singing? No, has Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. So there's is there singing? Oh, <laughs> not that I recall. It's okay, been a while since fine. I've seen it. All right. Well, anyway, that's that's movie one. Let's face it. Your Emma is kind of different. Yeah, I know. It's hard to predict what she'll like. I know. Well, <laughs> screen two, movie uh, screen two, movie two. I should say screen one. Uh, the sad suburban comedy, Keeping Up with the Joneses. Oh, that diet. That you know, that went I feel really so fast. bad. I I love Greg Matola. I've interviewed Greg Matola. Uh, what is he? Well, he, I'm sure he got a big check. I got, I'm sure he got paid far more for this than say Superbad That's or Adventureland. <laughs> um, That's when I interviewed him was Adventureland. I really like Adventureland. How was he? How was he? Good guy. He was. A, he was a blast. He was a blast to talk to. I, it's, you know, and I feel bad. He he just can't seem to get back into the rhythm of. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry. I when I think his I when I think of uh, fussy frumpy suburban moms, I don't think Isla Fisher. Um, <laughs> But a, I do think of Isla Fisher. I do, but not like that. Um, <laughs> With Naomi Watts. That's a different version of Mulholland Drive that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> Moving on. Um, screen two. Movie one, uh, Inferno with Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones. Wow. And uh, That's for the nap time, people. Along with Jack Reacher, Never Never Go Back. Wow. Two, a lot of running in those two films. I guess that's it. The Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, the two Toms. The two two Toms, Toms running. That's it. I don't know. That's just wow. Um, okay, uh, Screen Three, Movie One, The Accountant, along with Doctor Strange. Two action movies. The, the Accountant's first. Yeah. Wow. I know. You I'm think? Not, I think, ladies and gentlemen, I always assumed that if you had an R-rated film and a PG film or a PG thirteen, that the R would go last. You would think so. I don't know. Or if you had a good film and then a bad film, you would put the good film first. <laughs> Not the case of this one. Thank you. Yeah, and also the fact that Doctor Strange opened mo- most recently. That's just odd. Okay, so there's that. Okay, Tibbs. We love you, Tibbs. But and then screen four. Oh my God. What is it? A Medea Halloween along with Boo. I'll uh, I'll that set was intentional, that, man. I'll uh, clean that up in post. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Boo, A Medea Halloween, <laughs> along with Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Tyler Perry and Tim Burton. They are kind of a match made in heaven, let's be honest. Oh, let's, I don't want to think that. They're both kind of a drag. Oh, Thank you. Very, thank you very much. That's, God, he'll be here all week. <laughs> Son of 
so sad. Okay, uh, moving on. We'll go to indoors now at the Art Craft Theater in Franklin, um, November 18th and 19th, Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn. Wow. Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Marjorie Reynolds, Virginia Dale, Walter Abel. Gosh. A bunch of dead people, basically. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, that's an old <laughs> including film. Irving Berlin lyrics and music by Irving Berlin. That is November. That's next weekend. Um, also, <laughs> November twenty fifth and twenty sixth, Thanksgiving weekend. They're showing Elf. I love Elf. I do like Elf. I don't even make jokes about Elf. I love Elf. Wow! See, that's a big deal if Richard Probst is not bagging on a film, even because he bags on films he loves. Uh, exactly. So uh, December two, three, and four, A Christmas Story, or Darren McGavin married to Melinda <laughs> Dillon. Salute big shooter there. <laughs> um, let's see. December 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's a Wonderful Life. Hello, George Bailey. Um, November 16th, 17th, and 18th, in case you miss it outside in Shelbyville, A, Chris- a Christmas Vacation. <laughs> wow. So you see that indoors. And anyway, that is happening at the, the Historic Art Craft Theater in Franklin. And then finally, at... IU Cinema. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this all depends on what time you listen to the show. I don't know when you listen to the show. It's on three times. Um, but Saturday, November 12th at 3 p.m. as a part of the Cinekids uh, series, See the World, Feed Your Mind animated shorts. That's at 3 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, the Trailer Fest Film Festival 2016. Sunday, December, Sunday, November 13th as a part of their Polish cinema series at 3 o'clock, Papuza. And at 6.30... They should do Sausage Party with that. We'll get to Sausage Party in a little bit. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday the 13th is part of the President's Choice from 1975, The Lost Honor of Katerina Bloom. Monday, November 14th, Hey Trauma, 7 o'clock. That's the Ukrainian film. Thursday, November 17th, A Conversation with David Holbrook at 3 o'clock, followed by his film, The Diplomat, the documentary Diplomat, at 7 o'clock on Thursday the 17th. Friday the 18th, Nathaniel Dorsky and Jerome Heiler at 3 o'clock. It's a lecture. 6.30 is recent work by Nathaniel Dorsky, and then at 9.30, recent work by Jerome Heiler. Saturday, November 19th at 3 o'clock as a part of the Celebrating Hoagie Carmichael series, Young Man with a Horn, and then Letter from an Unknown Woman at 7 o'clock as a part of the Jamie Nairmore Presents. And then Sunday, November 20th at 3 o'clock, the 1952 crime drama also featuring Hoagie Carmichael, The Las Vegas Story. Wow. So, so basically, if you want really good independent films, you go to Bloomington. There you go. That's Always perfect. worth the trip to Bloomington. And, of course, yep. it's Bloomington, and it's a college campus in the fall. Oh, it's always nice. That's I awesome. Like that. Okay, moving on. Uh, just a reminder, you're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. I'm Matthew Sosi here, hanging out with Richard Propes, the independent critic. And, uh, yeah, there's there's only two titles of note on DVD and Blu-ray this week. And, and the first one is Sausage Party. And I watched that with my daughter, hashtag family values. My um, daughter's pretty awesome, by the way. Thank you. She gets it from her mom. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it is. I wasn't going to go there. The R, I did. The R-rated <laughs> animated film that's conceived, co-written, co-produced, and featuring the voice of Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's kind of an R-rated knockoff of the Disney films. In this case, um, it's, it's set in a grocery store, and it's the food that talks. So there's Seth Rogen is the voice of the hot dog, along with a bunch of other famous voices, which we'll get to in a minute. Of course, he has the hots for a, a hot dog bun with the voice of Kristen Wiig. 
And there's this opening number, this kind of Disney-esque number, which is very cute, and talking about the outside world as if, you know, the supermarket and their aisle is their is their earth as we know it, yeah. and outside the store is the great beyond. So it feels like maybe Toy Story a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit of Monsters, Inc. there, except that this film has a lot of cursing, a, a lot. lot of double entendres, a, a lot. lot of single entendres, really. And... Uh, and then there's a moment, and then uh, of course the parody of what happens to food. That when when food finds out that they are meant to be eaten, a little horror film there, and then a, a food orgy basically at the end of the film. Um, and more, I haven't seen this many animated puns since Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> so imagine, imagine Toy Story and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but R-rated. Yeah, that's basically it. This is definitely not family friendly. No, no, and and you know, there's always going to be somebody. Hopefully, not your family. Hopefully, not <laughs> your neighbors. That's going to rent it because they see a smiling animated hot dog. Yeah, sorry, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll, you'll okay, be sad. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the MPAA, but this film's rated R for a reason. And if you can't see that as a red flag, we can't help you. <laughs> then again, you're probably not listening to this. But show. if you're an adult, you'll love it. If you're a grown up, you 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 will like it. I think I liked it. I didn't love it. I mean, I think I think I was running out of groans by the second half that's, of the film, you know. Just and that's where the cloudy thing. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. We, and it's we're not hitting. the kind of film that I really longed to see again. <laughs> no, and and it also there's also hmm, it's it's not a it's not a PC animated film either. Oh no. For instance, there are uh, let's see representatives of uh, how should I of bagels, yeah, voiced by Edward yeah. Norton and uh, German food. Sauerkraut has, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, anything Asian? You kind of you see where we're going here with yeah. the tone of our voice. Yeah, they actually go down that path. That's not for everybody. And when it's, you think they're going to stop, they don't. They don't. <laughs> so, so if yeah, if you're easily offended or even not so easily offended, yeah, there maybe you go. Not. It's it's a rental. I think it's a rental. If it's you a wanna, good rental. If you want to have about four or five uh, four or five cocktails and watch this, then then have at it. So. <laughs> Anyway, and I watched it with my kid. Um, <laughs> Who is now in counseling, by the way. Always. Um, <laughs> the other film, the old title, thank you to uh, Warner Brothers for this. It, it, it asked the question, do you need this on Blu-ray? Probably not, but I really like the performance. 1977, the Academy Award winning film, The Goodbye Girl. Oh. Which won a Best Actor Award for Richard Dreyfus At that time, the youngest Best Actor winner, I think he was 27, Wow, Marsha Mason and uh, Neil Simon script directed by Herb Ross. Uh, the classic they they have to live together and they don't like each other, but uh, but Dreyfus is so good in this. He is so amazing. And it was oh. if you think about er, his early career, and I was point. Uh, by the way, speaking of watching films with my daughter, um, I showed her The Graduate finally last oh, okay. week, and I forgot he had like a single line in that, mm-hmm. just like he had a single line in Valley of the Dolls, which I have not shown my daughter yet. But but to go from that to American Graffiti to The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, which you should look for if you ever get a chance to find that, because um, that's a real showcase for him. Absolutely. That, and of course that you know that proved that he could carry a picture. Then of course there was Jaws, and then he did this, and I think there was a couple of things in between there. But but he plays a New York a, a Chicago actor living in New York who is who is doing a homosexual production of Shakespeare's Richard the 3rd which i wound up making fun of in a script i had written but it, you know the king who wanted to be queen i think is what <laughs> this is a 70s film so they 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 did that back then 
But um, he and Mason work really well off each other. And, I mean, Dreyfus is just like this kind of ball of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, cocaine is a hell of a drug back in the 70s, and it shows. But it's it's a very manic, funny performance, and comedies don't get recognized a whole hell of a lot. I think that in that year, because Richard Dreyfus won for The Goodbye Girl and Annie Hall won Best Picture. Wow. And Diane Keaton won Best Actress. So I guess 77 was the last year comedies were really, really recognized in major categories. Well, you know, and I think even though they're kind of classic, I think Neil Simon scripts still hold up. They kind of do. I mean, I mean I think... you know, it's there's a – Emma brings up had brought up a genre mm-hmm. um, when I was doing I, – I did the play – I directed the play Born Yesterday. Yeah. And then around the same time she had seen Goodfellas, oh. and she, she created the genre Men in Suits Talking. <laughs> and and I said, yeah, that's actually that's pretty awesome. dead on. And 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 yeah, Neil Simon, it's you know, it's a uh, stressed out New York men in suits talking. Exactly. Kind of. But yeah, odd, yeah, Odd Couple, Plaza Suite, Barefoot in the Park, all those hold up pretty well. I've directed enough of them, and I will continue to direct enough of them. <laughs> so that's out there. Great. Okay. Um, before we get to dead people we like, because we never had time for dead people we don't like, um, it should as if there isn't enough going on. I like all dead people though. No, I know you don't. But um, this weekend, it's it opened yesterday. It opened last night. What? But the Indianapolis LGBT Film Festival is here. And uh, did you did you jury this year, Richard? I did or? not jury it this year. You were I just... have in the past. Okay. Um, so tell for, I guess, uh, tell us a little bit about the fest this year. Well, it's going on from November 11th to the 13th at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Um, it is opening with a screening, I believe, of Miles, as I recall. Correct. Um, which is a film I'm actually really, really psyched about. Um, I think it's just got a tremendous cast, and um, it's it's one of those films. It's an LGBT film, but it, it it's not it's just an everyday it's a universal story and i, I really like it it's, it's so like hopefully like moonlight will get a wider audience because there there are certain films when they come to a festival and of course obviously when you have a specific festival like the lgbt fest um it will be seen at film festivals and it will be seen by their target audience obviously a film like miles which has a little bit of crossover possibilities because you have uh, Missy Pyle and Molly Shannon and yeah. Paul Reiser in it. So hopefully the star power will help bring that to a wider audience. And I as have well. seen this, and Mo- if you're a Molly Shannon fan, she's amazing in this film. Is she is she the mom, but she adds more to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She takes a role that could have easily capital been T, a one M. note, yeah. and she just she gives it depth. And I I just think she's wonderful in this. Um, I, the whole ensemble cast, you know, and it's it's a, a Midwest set film. So I just. Yeah, and I, I'm always a fan of this festival. I mean, I think it's one of the underrated gems in indie. And and this is a festival that should continue to go on. Absolutely. Continue to go on. Absolutely. So that is happening. Uh, yeah, so, so there's screenings at the Toby as well as the uh, DeBoas Lecture Hall, and that is running through Sunday, November 13th. Go to Indie, I-N-D-Y, L-G-B-T, filmfest.com. IndieLGBTFilmFest.com for more information there. All right. Um, as Chris Lloyd would say, uh, here we get to dead people we like because we don't have time for dead people we don't like. <laughs> but this is a dead person you did like. And actually, we just found out about this yesterday. Um, actor Robert Vaughn has passed. That's sad. At the age of 83. And it was funny. Richard and I were kind of joking off, off camera, off, off, oh. off mic. But, um, but I was thinking... 
what was the last thing you saw Robert Vaughn in? And I go to his IMDb page, which is 13 pages, by the way. Wow. But, uh, but I mean, he, he had a TV series appearance in Law & Order, Special Victims Unit, and appearances in two films in 2016 alone. Really? So I kept going through, and, I, and the two titles that came up. Weekend at Bernie's 3? No, he's not in Weekend at Bernie's. They didn't make a third He'd be a great corpse. Well, now, yeah, but uh, but the last two things of note I saw him in in 2001, he was Dick Lecter in Pootie Tang. I love that. Written hi Louis C.K. and then of course he was uh, Baxter Kane in Trey and Matt's Basketball from 1998. <sighs> but going through his career, um, you know, we as we like here at Film Sociology, we like working actors, and and yeah. Robert Vaughn was one who did the stage, did TV, did a lot of TV. And, you know, did movies. It didn't matter so long as the work was there. So we go back to first credit in 1955. Apparently was uncredited as a spearman and Hebrew at Golden Calf in the Ten Commandments. He was a Golden Calf? No, he was a Hebrew at Golden Calf. Oh. Which makes it sound like Golden Corral. (laughs) Um, The other, if you get a chance to find this, I believe, yeah, Mystery Science Theater made fun of this film from 1958. He was the title role, Teenage Caveman. Wow. And, and he was 26. So that's the cinematic tradition of hiring 20-year-olds playing high school students. Um, unwed number, Mother in 1958. Got an Academy Award nomination, Best Supporting Actor in 1959 for The Young Philadelphians. Really? With Paul wow. Newman, yep. Was that um, his only Academy Award nomination? His only nomination. And then wow. a slew of TV uh, films like uh, shows like Wichita Town, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, State Trooper, Riverboat, Man from Blackhawk, Check, Checkmate, Laramie, and then in 1960 was one of the original Magnificent Seven wow. playing Lee with he was the one in all black with the great black leather gloves and uh, yeah really cool uh, appeared in the Big Show in 1961 again lots of TV then of course ba- became best known as. Uh, as a Hamilton solo, am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm terrible. Napoleon solo. <laughs> Hamilton. Hamilton's his younger brother. Where did Hamilton brother. solo come from? A uh, musical. Oh, um, cool. No, but of course, he, he was best known as Napoleon solo in The Man from Uncle, TV series from Was he related to Napoleon Dynamite? Oh my God. You're so dumb. Uh, the Caretakers <laughs> in 1963. Uh, again, did Man from Uncle in the mid 60s. And then throughout the 60s and 70s, did a lot of TV and movies as authority figures and or bad guys. Played Walter Chalmers in Bullet in 1968. The, wow. the photographer in If It's Tuesday, This Must Be Belgium in 1969. I actually have this. Played Servius Casca in the 1970 film version of Julius Caesar. Wow. With, with Charlton Heston as Mark Anthony. Jason Robards, Diana, it's it's something to see. Huh. Um, Clay Pigeon, nineteen seventy one, the man from Independence. He played Harry S. Truman. Of course, played the senator in the Towering Inferno. Of course, he was a killer twice in Columbo. Um, was the voice of Demon Seed, that the uh, computer that did bad things to Julie Christie in nineteen seventy seven. Then started appearing in some fairly inexpensive films like Starship Invasions, The Lucifer Complex, Brass Target, was in Hangar 18, was in Day of Resurrection. But in 1980, as a as a fine piece of stunt casting, played the character of Gelt in Battle Beyond the Stars, 
a space version of the Magnificent Seven with Richard Thomas, George Pappard, John Saxon was the villain, and was written by a young John Sayles. Wow. I know. I know John Sayles wrote that. John Sayles wrote that, yes. That was in the Roger Corman era uh, for a lot of budding young filmmakers. I have to go watch it again. You know, I big shout out to Joe Shear. He gave me his Blu-ray copy of that. Wow! So and he doesn't then, like you. No, he doesn't. Okay. But, uh, but you know, uh, his dislike was my gain. So, <laughs> and then um, many many years ago, Abdul Kim Shabazz and I actually mm-hmm. did a phone interview with Richard Thomas. Richard was Richard was in town promoting uh, Twelve Angry Men. He did it. He was doing uh-huh. it on stage. I remember that. And you know, we got through the initial questions about the play, the, why we were talking to him, and then we geeked out. And I brought up Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh wow! Because of the, you could do the at that time. You could do the remake. The writer's still alive. You're still alive. Robert Vaughn is still with us. Just get five more, and uh, you know, you could do it. And he said. You know, there was a period in his life where he wished he was buried with every single print of that film, but then he got old enough and didn't care, and he embraced it. So, oh, so he was a good interview? Yeah, he was fine. I always he, liked he him. Put up, he put up with our nonsense, so it's always good. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, Black Moon Rising in 1986. Wow. Played the general in the Delta Force. Of course, played the villainous general in the A-Team at the end of that film. And then, God, Skeleton Coast, Captive Rage, films that sound like straight-to-DVD titles. That's adequate. Chud 2, Transylvania Twist. Um, he was in Chud 2. He was in Chud 2. Joe's oh. Apartment and then uh, the stuff that we already mentioned. So, yeah. So, working guy. Way what up an until, incredible career. That's, a, that's, that's I think, as an I mean, actor, honestly, that's all you really want. I mean, 60-plus years doing what he loved doing. Absolutely. I mean, that's amazing to me. And, uh, and the thing, if you get a chance... There, there's a there's a series of commercials he has done for law. He did for law firms. I know one was Keller and Keller, and I think he did a couple others. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's it, yo know, because and I did not know this until you told me because about this. you he does it far better than me. You mean business, <laughs> and he's just you know because he's got the training. You're like ooh. <laughs> But if you if you're gonna have aging celebrities in your commercials, you could do a lot worse than Robert Vaughn, and he he sells it. Wow. He made me want to call him. See, there you go. Oh, but that's... now, he, now sadly, he won't. No, he yeah. won't pick up. So, all right. Um, I wonder a... if he called them before he died I, I to get on disability. I don't know. I okay. Don't check out all that. So, by the way, if you haven't figured out from this tone, Richard Probst is here in studio with me. Uh, got a few more minutes. Richard, what is, what? what is what's the rest of the year looking like for you? Because you're constantly on the road, literally and figuratively. I am. Um, spe- getting up early on Sundays and speaking and doing all that. So what's what's going on in your world? Uh, you know, I, I do a lot. As you know, I, I uh, have an event I do called the Tenderness Tour, and I travel around. This the... helps balance out his cinema snarkiness and hatred. It does. You know, I, you know... I like to pretend that I'm actually a really hater, a type jerk, and I am <laughs> Which actually. Which is perfect for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a convincing actor. Can you tell I was a drama minor? Um, <laughs> minor rails. My, that, exactly. No. I, uh, so I do a lot of outreach, a lot of events. Um, since 1989, I've traveled over 5,000 miles in the wheelchair. Um, you get all, your tires rotated? I, you know, I do. I burn out wheelchairs like crazy. Um for those of you who are offended when I do put jokes, please know that I really am a double amputee. So and he said them first. So and I said them. So I don't first. want to get fired. So I'm completely fine with them, um, and I really am in a wheelchair. So, uh, so I do a lot of events in the area of violence prevention, especially domestic violence and sexual violence. Um, let's see, coming up on the 17th, I'll be part of the Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assaults I Core or Core 40 training. 
That's um, November 17th? No, uh, yeah, November 17th. Um, okay. We'll be training advocates um, to work in the area of sexual assault, and my workshop will be specifically targeting male survivors of sexual violence. Not because, I, yeah, not a lot. I, I think part of it is um, not as many of them come out to report exactly. those things, and a lot of people assume that it's not really possible. It is, yeah. but I think people can't imagine that a lot. People can't imagine it, and you know, it's certainly, even a lot of the advocacy groups don't deal with it because um, there's just that stereotype. You know, mm-hmm. Males are portrayed if, as the perpetrator. If there's a domestic dispute and the police show up, more than likely it's him that's going to get picked up. Yeah, exactly. So so anyway, I'm excited about that, and I've done a couple of things with Indiana Coalition, so I'm, I'm anxious to kind of build that relationship. Um, on the 22nd, I'll be speaking to multiple classes at Bishop Chittard High School. Um, again, kind of talking about the tour and advocacy. Um, we're actually going to work together and actually plan a uh, tenderness tour for the spring. Mm-hmm. And by tenderness tour, you know, I mean, ba- basically, I plan an event where I wheel from one place to the other, and I pick a charity, and I raise money for that charity, and I do um, outreach events, and I talk to people about my own story, which, you know, has a lot of abuse in childhood, and a lot of violence, and um, and about healing from that, and about moving on, and putting life back together, and how we as a community can do better to pre- prevent violence in our community. Yeah, man, that, the good timing with this week. Exactly. <laughs> See, now the, the last publicity thing I remember you doing was you were doing laps around uh, the monument. Yeah. How, yeah many were a, those, how many of those laps did you do? I did 122 laps the day that Mayor Hogsett was um, sworn in, mm-hmm. or actually the day after he was sworn in, because I actually went to the swearing in. And, uh, so, and that was one lap in memory of each child who had died as a result of violence during Mayor Ballard's administration. Um, so, and then on, um, in June, I did 49 miles in one day Whew. on the Monon um, in memory of the 49 victims at the Pulse nightclub. There you go. So I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Now, the next time you're in Richmond, you have to let me know, so I will not be there. But, <laughs> but do you take 40? Do you take State Road 40? I've occasionally did. That's, that's easier than I-70, I think. I, yeah, exactly, yeah. I do 40 on occasion. And you know me. I went to seminary in uh, in Richmond, yep. so I occasionally do go back there. And I, All right, I have that. With Because, by the way, and, and you know, his, his stuff outside the studio is great. It really is. <laughs> Has anybody outside your, your that has anybody in your world ever heard you on this show? <laughs> That's probably no. That's probably not. You know, it I hasn't don't, happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I mean, certain people from my church have heard me on that, and you know, and when but they I've know guessed, you. When I've guest hosted, I've had Shane Cooper, who right. is from my world, and and so yeah, some, but pretty limited. Okay, just to make sure. Like, what happened to you? <laughs> Again, I don't bring this out of him, ladies and gentlemen. He's genuinely this way. I'm just genuinely this. This is how I channel it. And and as as if, if you followed us on social media enough, all I have to write is Sir Paul Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. So I guess in 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 review, Arrival's really good. Moonlight is better. Um, shut in if you're into Naomi Watts. Uh, Almost Christmas actually gives a gets a gets a. a we don't do appendages up. And well, neither do you. I can't but, even uh, move mine. No, okay. exactly. So he says it's good. So anyway, there's and of course you have the indie LGBT festival. So you have no excuse if you're done raking leaves, like in, in my house. You have no excuse. There is plenty of movies out there. Go see something, because Thanksgiving is coming up. So, ladies and gentlemen, some words to live by.
Silent Green is people! Zardoz has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. Uh, what's your websites, Richard? TheIndependentCritic.com, and you can find out more at TendernessTour.com as well. Always a pleasure, Richard. Thank you. Go see a good movie. Once again, you deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan. Mm-hmm.